I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode 11 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. Do you ever notice that really successful people, people that accomplish great things, that they, if there's one thing they all have in common, it's that they have a really high level of self-belief. And we're not just talking about like self-confidence and, and all that. I mean, that's probably part of it, but man, they really believe that whatever it is they're trying to do they can do it. Today we're gonna talk about how self-belief is something you can work on, how you can increase it in your life to reach potential that you never thought possible, um, to have relationships that um, you didn't think were possible. And um, we're gonna tell you some stories about our journey through self-belief and how we got there. And also some famous people that you might recognize in their journey as well. Yeah, and it's definitely something to be said for as part of working on it, surrounding yourself by people who make it easier to believe in yourself too. And we'll definitely get into that. Personal stuff coming your way. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we've talked in other episodes about how, uh, and we forget where the source of this is, but that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And right. Do those five people really kind of help you fulfill your potential or maybe make it more difficult? That's definitely something to think about. Uh, but Nancy, you have a you have a story you heard recently you wanted to share. Right. Yeah. So everyone knows by now I love the Mindset app. Um, it's an app that I listen to a lot in the morning time. And recently I was listening to Denzel Washington. I'm a huge fan. I love his voice. There's something about really successful <laughs> people in Hollywood is their voices. I like to tell Nancy that uh, the reason she likes George Clooney is because he's got a great voice and she's like, that's not the only reason. <laughs> Anyways, back to Denzel. (laughs) Um, So he was doing a speech at um, a graduation, I believe. And he was telling a couple of these stories. And one of them was about um, these auditions that he went on early on and how he had such self-doubt early on as an actor. He knew it's what he wanted to do, but he never really believed in himself. And so he went on these additions, probably things that he shouldn't have been doing at the time, but he had to get exposure. So he went to this one that was for a play. And he said he was so nervous because you were able to watch the person in front of you. And the person in front of him sounded like um, a Pavarotti voice, like... Oh. oh, let's not. Oh, let's not do that. <laughs> but no, he could hear. It, so it was a musical, and he could yes. hear the singing of the person auditioning in front of him, right. which could be a little could phase you a little bit if they were really good, right? Especially so he, if they sounded like Pavarotti, right? Like <laughs> not Nancy's Pavarotti, but the real Pavarotti, right? Yeah, not not my version. <laughs> and so Sorry. he so he's listening, and he gets called up next, and he starts, and no one's really saying anything, and. What did I say he sung? He um, a temptation song or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it like just my imagination? Just, oh, it was just my imagination. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said like the the judges were like very stoic, right? The whole time, and so right? he thought, oh, 
they didn't tell me to stop. I'm just going to keep going. And so he was, he started out kind of whispering and like, just my imagination. And then he kind of got a little louder as they like looked at him and he kept going and he got more robust. And he's like, I thought I was killing it. And he's like snapping his fingers yeah. and he starts doing a little dance sidestep, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he, um, and so they say, okay, you're invited to come back for the acting portion of this. And he thought, wow, I am doing really good. Yeah. And so he comes back for the acting part and he just does this funny skit where he was supposed to do improv with this other person and this other person wasn't giving him anything. So I think they're trying to see how he could act even despite the acting of the other person. Mm -hmm. And so the other person was saying, would you like this apple? And he was like, yes i'd like the apple and then the other person was like what are you going to do with the apple and he's like i'm going to eat the apple and so <laughs> this went on and on and on and and he didn't get the part and he just very, said very awkward improv right experience. Yeah. right and he's like i looking back it was terrible it was like the worst audition ever but um anyways so he's like so he's like down in the dumps right he's, he's he's auditioning he's not getting roles right despite his attempts at improv and right singing like Pavarotti yeah so one day around this time he's his mom owns a beauty parlor and parlor and he has at this point he's in college he has like a 1.7 GPA and he's thinking of dropping out and he's sitting in the waiting room and it's one of those places where the women sit under the hair dryers with those big dome things. For like, how long, how long would they sit under the hairdryer? Uh, like 20 minutes. Maybe. Like 20 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So he's sitting there and he's, and he's a little down and there's a woman with her hair under the hairdryer. And every time he looks at her, she's just staring at him. Mm -hmm. And he'll look, he'll look away and then a couple minutes later he'll look back and she's just like staring at him, like right in the eyes, staring at him, like awkward. And eventually after like the, the third time he, he does this, what, is, what does she say to him? She's, she says, I have a prophecy. Go get me a piece of paper and a pen. He's like, okay. <laughs> and he does, and then what? So what he does, and then she says, young man, I have a prophecy about you. You are going to travel the world, and, and you're going to speak to millions of people, and you're going to change the world in some way. Yeah, and it's, it's really amazing to have somebody say that to you especially if you're like an, at any age in life but especially if you're like 19 20 years old very and he impressionable thought she doesn't know anything about <laughs> me like i my gpa is awful like yeah. i'm a loser right now yeah but the take-home message is he said that whatever she said to him that day has stuck with him from that moment all the way through his life right now and kind of like we talked about in a previous podcast how i had that body reading Mm, when, mm -hmm. when I had that positive thing from a friend mm -hmm. and it's kind of like that like how much of that played in his role of I'm supposed to be doing great things I'm supposed to be speaking to millions of people I'm supposed to be changing the world in some way shape or form I, I that's what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do that so did that make his path of self-belief in himself like that's what she told me I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that yeah and think about and that stuck with him until he gave this commencement speech to, and I forget what university it was, but it was like, you know, he's probably in his 50s by then. Mm -hmm. And of course, had been an Oscar winner, super successful Hollywood actor and all this stuff. And he said that stuck with him even in like the rest of his life. And just imagine, though, somebody who hears the opposite type of thing, mm -hmm. right? Like somebody who hears the opposite type of thing and how that could nudge them in another direction and prevents them 
from fulfilling their potential. Right. right? Stifling. Stifling. I've been using the word stifling a lot lately because sometimes I feel that um, people you're around or um, maybe um, friends or relationships or whatever it is, they stifle your growth. Mm -hmm. And growth is such an important process of, of, growing older and and gaining wisdom and all those things and if you have someone in your life that's stifling it you'll never reach your full potential yeah and it's it self-confidence self-belief it can be delicate right and if you have people kind of messing with that that's that's not a good thing uh because it takes persistence and 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 part of self-belief and achieving great things like with denzel means you're gonna deal with adversity and maybe not succeeding the first time or the 20th time or the 30th time. And self-belief means you try that 31st time. And a, right. another just very brief example is Stephen King. His first book he ever wrote was a book called Carrie, which has been turned into movies a couple times. It was rejected 30 times by 30 different publishers before he finally got it published. Right. right? I mean, that's just an example. Oh, I was thinking about the other one. Um, oh, remember the show before shark tank it was um american inventor i think Mm -hmm. it was called Mm -hmm. and there was someone um american inventor and then shark tank and he brought out the doorbot right and the doorbot was supposed to be this little robot guy that you can look at on your cell phone and he was this little robot that sat on your front doorstep, basically, hmm. and looked around, mm-hmm. and, you know, and when he presented it to the sharks, Mark Cuban was like, that is the stupidest thing. I mean, there's doorbells for a reason, like, and there's look holes, you know, through your door for a reason. Peepholes, Peepholes, yeah. yeah. So you can see the person outside. Like, that makes no sense. Um Anyways, that person now has created Ring, as we all know, and is a billionaire um, right. from Ring, right? And none of the sharks invested in None of them. No. no, not a one. The other one was um, the Books Company, which mm. I'm a fan of. I like their online store for um, flowers and such. And um, how, do you, how do you spell? Um, oh, it's B-O-U-Q-S, like bouquets, but books, they call it. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was one where, again, Shark Tank, everyone denied him. And no one understood what the flower business was about, right? What was the what was their shtick? Their, their shtick was that they take out the middleman. And within five to six days of cutting the flower, it's in your home. And what's the value in that as they expressed it? Well, the value was was that um, they last longer because mm-hmm. when you buy them from a grocery store, from a florist, oftentimes they've been sitting around for a while because they it's the middleman. They're the middleman mm-hmm. that you purchase from. Um, and so much so that the sharks denied it. And then um, Robert, um, one of the sharks was... Herjevic, I think. I don't, I don't want to say the last name because yeah. I'm going to butcher Robert it. Robert <laughs> He was getting married. And he said, hey, and he reached out to the the owner and he said, why are flowers so stinking expensive? And he said, well, I'll tell you why. He heard the story. Robert ended up investing in him and he is also worth, um, I think, $50 million or something like that. Yeah. So the value is you you get them from books, you, you eliminate the middleman, you now get fresher flowers. And when you actually right. have them in your home, they will look pretty longer. Right. Right. Maybe twice as long. Who knows? Right. Exactly. And it's one of those things where um, the self-belief of those people, they're like, I don't really care if these bazillionaires said no to me. I believe in myself and I believe in what I'm doing and I'm going to push forward. Yeah. The sharks aren't all knowing. They have some success and have made some money and it'd probably be because they they 
used good judgment. You know, maybe you had some luck in some cases and worked hard and all that stuff, but they're not all knowing, right? right? Mm -hmm. Even the sharks. Exactly. Yeah. So Nance, let's talk about your journey. I know uh, when you were younger, you know, you're a dentist now, but there was a point during you during dental school where you definitely had an issue, had a bout with self-doubt. I didn't mean to make that rhyme. About with self-doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not put that in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you were fighting self-doubt. It was like about. Yeah. Right. Well, for me, it's interesting because my whole life growing up um, through grade school, high school, I didn't have to try very hard. Right. Everything came very, very natural. Hmm. And um, self-belief really wasn't a thing at all. Yeah. For As a reminder, Nance and I both grew up in small towns. And if you were a straight-A student in a small town, you know, they would... A lot of the educational stuff would be uh, sort of geared towards the average student. And if you were, right. you did pretty well, they didn't always give you stuff that challenged you in different ways. Right. Right. Like I remember in my economics class that I we had a big report due and mine was on the stock market. And he's like, you can present, Nancy, but I already gave you an A. The teacher? Yes. Before reading it? Yes. Oh, before I presented it. Oh, jeez. And so I looked at it and I was like, no way. And he's like, yeah, look. And he showed me. And, and he just knew that that was my work and he knew I was going to try hard and he knew I was going to do a good job. But, um, and it's just kind of funny, right? And it's not a representation of how life is really like after you right. <laughs> so move you on to some other things. So you, you weren't used to adversity. Right. So you don't learn how to fail. You don't learn how, how to accept adversity. Um, and then college, you know, you're this little fish in this big sea and you start to learn the hard way mm -hmm. about all these things. Mm -hmm. And then dental school, even worse off, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, when I got to dental school stage, I was in a really... Um, what I would call a toxic relationship where um, I had I, my self-worth my self, uh, was just decreasing by the year, right? So so you had a boyfriend in dental school. Right. That relationship right. was toxic. Right, mm -hmm. right. And this was not me, by the way. Just, it, was, just <laughs> it, was, it wasn't Dave. And, and, and it sometimes it's not the person that's bad. It's the relationship and the personality of the two people that just don't mix, right? Mm -hmm. And so every year from college on was kind of this decreasing self-worth type of habits that I that I was starting to feel. So you were dating guys that didn't make you a better person? That didn't make me a better person. That mm -hmm. was just kind of there and companionship and gosh, lots of arguing and lots of you didn't and you didn't and you should have and um, just a lot of that kind of stuff. And when you hear that, hundreds or thousands of times over and over again, you start to feel really bad about yourself and you start to feel all those negative thoughts like instilling in your brain, like it becomes you. You start seeing yourself through their eyes in a way. Right, right, yeah, yeah that's a good analogy. Mm. And so it takes a lot to, um, to turn that around, right? First, obviously getting out of the relationship, but then it literally took years to recoup that, mm -hmm. you know, like years of all the stuff we talked to all of you about, you know, affirmations and um, talking yourself up and taking risks and um, empower, I guess, empowerment, you know, from other people. So how did this affect uh, yourself? So this was in your, you know, your relationship. How did that affect your performance in dental school? 
Right. So I had a really, really tough second year. You know, mm -hmm. my second year, um, it got to the point where I had to talk to a lot of the instructors and see if this was really meant for me. Like, do I really want to continue on? And do I want to push forward? Or do I just want to quit? Mm -hmm. I mean, they point blank asked me if that's what I wanted to do. And um, I said, no, I, you know, this is still definitely what I want to do. And I didn't like it, you know, having to face this, but it was definitely affecting um, my performance. And so I had to find um, people to hang out with that were really encouraging. Um, I had to find people like that were really uplifting in my life. And they're my current friends now that I still, we still go on vacation with every year. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it took all of that to turn it around and to keep on that path of positivity. Uh, and did you have maybe a wise person uh, connect with you or did, Kind of like the the lady with the uh, in the beauty parlor with right. Denzel. Did you have somebody like that for you? It was, and I still. It, it's one of one of the instructors at the school, and I still keep in touch with him. And he was such a wonderful mentor. And he always said to me, "He's like, I'm telling I'm telling you right now that you're going to be an amazing dentist. Um, it doesn't matter what happens here. You do your best work." And he's like, "I see your work. Um, I know who you are. You're going to be amazing." And he just kind of kept telling me that like on those down days and he was the one I would go to if I was having an issue or something like that. And um, he really just uplifted me. And to this day, you know, I still call him Dr. So-and-so. And he says, if you call me that one more time, <laughs> he wants me to call him by his first name now, you know, because mm. obviously we're on, you know, now we're both doctors and, um, and yeah, I guess it makes him feel old. <laughs> <laughs> he sees you as a peer now. He does. Yeah. He does. And he's a wonderful human being. Yeah. So you had somebody like the lady in the beauty parlor that showed belief in you at a right. really important time in your life. And right. wow, that was so impactful. Right. And you also uh, eliminated the person, not eliminated, but... Uh, Dave wants to say I eliminated <laughs> 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 you you eliminated uh you you uh extracted this person from your life or how would you you just yes you, you got out of a bad relationship you got out of a bad relationship yeah yes. and, and got rid of the the sort of toxic in inputs that were not helping your self-belief and how it made you feel about yourself right yeah and it was bleeding into your academic work which was right not a good thing not a good thing right so I think a lot of people can have a take-home message from that in that um, evaluating relationships. You know, not every relationship that you've been in for a long time is necessarily healthy. Um, it really takes a lot of back and forth. Oh, um, we were talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, RBG. We were talking about how her husband said, um, or she said about her husband and their relationship, I was always with someone that valued my work as much as his own which really speaks to volumes for women and um, for relationships and for careers that you find a partner that equally makes you a better person and wants you to be your best. And allowing for that to that dynamic between each other to change and evolve over the course of your marriage, over the course of decades, like one of you might be the breadwinner for a period of time and it might switch to the other at some point, who knows, and kind of allowing that space for each other and allowing for your dynamic to shift over time too right. is important. Right. Yeah. Because every, every year holds something new for sure.
So we've been talking a lot about self-belief and the people that surround you and thinking positively, which we talk about a lot. But recently, if anybody has Netflix, I feel like I always talk about Netflix. It's the only thing we have. <laughs> well, it's not the only thing we well, have, but we're glad well, to I have mean, it. As far as like, like TV entertainment. Makes quarantine world feel a little, <laughs> a little better. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I was recently watching um, a documentary called Heal. And I recommend it for anyone that's into this type of stuff. Um, we, we talk about um, Deepak Chopra a lot, and he's on there, and lots of other people that are um, doing neurological studies and such. Um, in any event, they talk about self-belief, positivity, daily affirmations, meditation, all those types of things on a cellular level. Dr. Bruce Lipton has a really good um, book, and he had said, um, this quote, which I love, um, he said, the moment you change your perception is the moment you rewrite the chemistry of your body. You change your perception and you change the chemistry of your body. Right. So your perception. Did you feel like your body chemistry changed after you got out of the toxic relationships? Not, not direct, not right away. You know, like I said, it took time. Like this yeah. is not something that one day you wake up and you say, hmm. I'm going to have a great day. I, I can do this. I'm strong. I am, um, you know, I'm going to reach this goal or whatever it is. It doesn't happen overnight. So it was a process. But at the end of that sort of process, did you feel like a different person? I do. Yeah. I feel like a completely different person than I did 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, completely different. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very sensitive to negativity. And so when I'm around it, um, I just want to run the other way kind of thing. It's really hard for me to process it. Um, and so I definitely surround myself. All of my friends that I have are very positive people. We're like-minded. Um, our conversations center around all of that type of good stuff. And um, we, build, don't, we don't gossip. We don't talk badly yeah. about other people. Like it, it's all positive stuff. Yeah, building each other up. Right. Right. Exactly. So the so the science. So the, the science, the cellular level. So they're talking about how um, when you have a positive thought, um, there is obviously all of these um, neurotransmitters in our bodies and every cell in our body has a receptor, right? We know that. When you have um, a thought, so whether it's um, anger, anger or sadness or happiness or fulfillment or whatever that is, um, it basically um, creates this, this peptide that has encoding process on it. And these proteins, these peptides kind of travel around the body and find a receptor to attach to on that cell. As we know, cells divide and regenerate constantly. And so when cells divide and they're encoding that um, memory of sadness or happiness or gratefulness or whatever that is, then that replicates and duplicates. And that is how the positivity, it takes time to create a code in your body that does that. But it's why Johns Hopkins does studies on it. It's why Harvard University does studies on it. The Mayo Clinic does studies on it. All of these people have documentation of why they want their patients to have a positive outlook when they get diagnosed with something horrible, like cancer or a traumatic event. Um, they actually have coaches available to teach them how to be positive about these things because they truly believe that your body can heal, your immune system can increase by enhancing this, um, this production of these good cells. 
So that's interesting. So self-belief and positivity doesn't only expand your possibilities with your career and your relationships, it also makes you healthier, right? Right, right. and it's a crazy thought. Yeah. So as you process the, this episode and um, you think about all the things we said, evaluate the people in your life, evaluate yourself and know that you have self-worth in you, but sometimes it takes some training. Look at the people around you, um, think about it as a whole and how your body changes. Maybe even take a journal. I think journal entries are awesome with tracking where you were and where you are now. And I think that that will help you see the transformation as you make these changes. And um, ultimately, remember, as, as Dr. Lipton said, the moment you change your perception is the moment you rewrite the chemistry of your body. 